This is Joey Coleman, author of Never Lose a Customer Again, Turn Any Sale into Lifelong Loyalty in 100 Days. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which is named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's actually working in the quickly changing field of modern marketing and sales. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or some other helpful resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, just connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I'll try to point you in the right direction. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that takes the key insights from the best nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just a few minutes on your smartphone. Several of the books featured on the Marketing Book Podcast are on Blinkist. You can sign up for free at Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. Blinkist is spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. And if you opt for the paid version, you'll get an additional 20% off, but only if you go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. I also have a link to it at MarketingBookPodcast.com. I'll have more on Blinkist in a few minutes. And now on with the show. Today, we welcome Joey Coleman to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his new book, Never Lose a Customer Again, Turn Any Sale into Lifelong Loyalty in 100 Days. Joey Coleman helps companies keep their customers. An award-winning speaker, he works with organizations ranging from small startups to major brands such as Deloitte, Hyatt Hotels, Zappos, and NASA. His first 100 days methodology fuels the remarkable experiences his clients deliver. And interesting facts, Joey is a recovering lawyer who once worked at the CIA, the U.S. Secret Service, and the White House Office of Counsel to the president during the Clinton administration. But even bigger than that, he was in the Notre Dame Glee Club. Joey, congratulations on Never Lose a Customer Again, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Uh, Douglas, thank you so much. Thanks for the kind introduction. Thanks for having me on the show. I am so thrilled to be doing this podcast. Now, let, let's be candid. I'm sure your listeners have heard a lot of guests say, oh, I'm very honored to be on the podcast, and, I, and I'm sure they mean that, but you're the first. You, you and I have been talking for a long time, and I am so impressed by how you run this podcast. Folks, for listeners, just briefly, um, I'm doing a ton of podcasts right now. I have my own podcast. I'm a guest on a podcast regularly. Douglas's show and this podcast is run so effectively and so efficiently in terms of the guest onboarding process. Uh, I, I was sharing before we started recording, this is, you know, it's like the principles that I tried to outline in the book, Douglas is already practicing them and how he does it. I have felt so taken care of and so prepared and so welcomed even before we hit record on the show. And I'm just honored to be on the show. I'm honored to follow in the footsteps of so many of my great friends who have been guests on the show as well. Folks like Rohit Bargava and John Rulin and Dory Clark and John Hall and Ryan Holiday. I mean, the list could go on and on, uh, but it is a true honor to be here. Thanks so much for having me. 
Well, thank you. And I am so excited to have you on. And here's why. In December of 2016, I was interviewing none other than Marcus Sheridan. Great human being. Uh, yes. And uh, he, about his book, uh, They Ask, You Answer, which was really one of my favorite books of the over 160 that have been on the show. And I've, and I've had training from him, and I've met him several times, and I'm just a, a big fan of his. And at the end of the interview, as I'm going to ask you, Mr. Coleman, I said, what upcoming books are you, are you looking forward to seeing? And he said, there's one, and it's Joey Coleman's book. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's so I'm nice. anxious for that. So nice. And I, uh, so I, uh, I've been bugging you ever since. So I, I appreciate you finally coming on here. Oh, it's my pleasure. You, you know, Marcus has been a good friend for many years, and he's known that I've been thinking about writing this book and planning to write this book. And at the time that he uh, was talking to you was right around the time that I was in New York pitching this book idea to publishers. So he knew that it was going on, but it, the, the rest of the world didn't. So yeah, it was very fun when I got your original message back in the end of 2016 saying, hey, would love to interview you about your book. And I'm, and I'm smiling to myself because I'm like, this is amazing. I don't even have the signed contract for the book deal yet. <laughs> Who and is I'm this guy? Getting publicity. This is incredible. Little did I know I have my good friend Marcus Sheridan to thank. Yes, yes. Now, a couple other interesting things that I, I wanted to mention. Um, you only drink water or root beer. That's it. As a, as a general rule, yeah, that's pretty much the, <laughs> only, the only liquids I drink. I, I try to default mostly to water, but uh, if I get the chance to grab a root beer every once in a while, that's, that's a nice little treat. Yeah. And you worked for an organization that has been mentioned on this podcast many, many times, Corporate Executive Board, CEB, CEB now part of Gartner. yes. yes. Yeah, I was uh, the the marketing and sales department, which basically meant I was a traveling salesman, and I was there an entire 10 months um, from start to end, but it was a whirlwind experience. I did 300,000-plus miles uh, flying during that time, had a great – worked with some of the smartest people I've ever worked with, incredible folks, researchers, and, you know, analysts figuring out how do we identify best practices, and ironically enough, that was – the genesis of part of the process that I created uh, that I feature in the book, The First 100 Days. Because while I was there, I was reading an article about bank marketing. Super exciting. And uh, they were talking well, about, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, exciting for the people that work in banking, I suppose. But, yeah. uh, and maybe some listeners. Yeah, and maybe some listeners too. But I, w- I was reading this and it was it was like a really detailed like analytical study of bank uh, retention rates. And this shocking statistic uh, popped out. And that statistic was that 32% of bank customers will leave before their one-year anniversary. And half of those will leave in the first 100 days. And I had been a government and uh, international relations major in college, and so I had studied the first 100 days of the U.S. presidency, and as you mentioned, I had had the joy and pleasure of working in the White House. So first 100 days had a different meaning for me, and now I saw it in this context of business, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting, and little did I know that, you know, almost 20 years, it's, it's 20 years later now that the book is coming out, that the genesis for that idea kind of came from me reading that article and saying, I wonder if this happens in other industries too. And it began a 20-year love affair with the research and analysis of why do customers leave and what can we do to keep them to make them stay. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. You say most businesses are hemorrhaging customers 
and they don't even realize it. I mean, how how is that happening? It's it's shocking. It's shocking. Yeah, the typical business is going to lose somewhere between twenty and seventy percent of their new customers before they reach the one hundred day anniversary. When I share that with executives and uh, you know in house operations teams, they don't believe me. And then I say, great. So let's look at your numbers. And it dawns on them that they don't even measure that number, first of all. Uh, and then those that do kind of look sheepishly and say, yeah, we're at 24% or we're at 38% or we're at you know 17% or whatever it is. But it's always a significant double-digit number that is not being discussed in the boardroom. And I think there, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, uh, we live in a society globally that emphasizes acquisition over retention. So we and I, and I say that respectfully, I'm a marketer and sales guy by, by training, by trade, by, you know, cellular DNA. So anything I'm going to say about, you know, the front half of the process or the funnel, if you will, I don't mean it to be disparaging, but most businesses are focusing all of their efforts on filling the funnel, driving people to the door, prospecting, converting, and spending very little time on what happens after the customer raises their hand and says, okay, I'll become a customer and and joins your business. It's like at that point, the chase is over and it's not as exciting or interesting. And then they get introduced to someone, the account rep or the account sale manager or the customer service person who wasn't part of any of the sales conversations and now is responsible for maintaining this relationship. And, you know, the deck is kind of stacked against them before they start. Mm -hmm. Well, just a couple other numbers, because that that 20 to 70 was basically a a two by four board between my eyes. (laughs) That really got my attention. And maybe that's why you put it up at the beginning and the end of the book. Um, But a couple others, one of them was, um, if you can keep just 5% of the customers from leaving, it will increase profits by 25 to 100%. Correct. Correct. And I'm not a math guy, Douglas. So when I first saw this, I was like, wait a second. That just, I'm not a math guy, but that doesn't make sense to me. And so I dove into it. And that, that number really comes from research from multiple places, including Harvard Business School uh, and Bain & Company, the international consultants. And what they found is that there's so much money spent on customer acquisition and the marketing cost and the sales cost. And then there's a bunch of money spent on onboarding and getting someone up to speed that in the typical business, um, they don't actually start to recoup those dollars until well into the relationship. Now, some businesses know where their break-even point is, and for most businesses, it's after 100 days. So the problem is if you spend all that money on acquisition and then the customer leaves, you're deeper in the hole than when you started. If you spend all that money and the customer stays, well, you've got to get them to the point where you're break even and only then can you start to increase profit. The reason why it increases profits 25 to 100% is when you keep customers, you've already absorbed the marketing costs. The additional cost of serving an, an additional customer one month, one week, one year later is actually quite small, while the profit margins are quite large because you've already done all the heavy lifting. So that's why retention is such an important element of impacting the bottom line. You know, that there are lots of people that say to me, well, sure, Joey, retention is nice and it makes us feel good about ourselves. I'm like, yeah, I get it. And get your CFO in the meeting as well, because retention will increase the bottom line faster than any other 
technique or tool or strategy or approach to business that I've been able to discover. And if anybody has them, let me know. I haven't found one that is as consistent and as effective as taking care of your customers. Yeah, and it's good to get the CFO involved because that is where the money is, is in keeping your customers. And just let's, let's conclude with one, one other number. You, you talked about how selling to a new prospect, there's a 5 to 20% chance of making a sale. But when you're selling to an existing customer, the probability skyrockets to 60 to 70%. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And the funny thing is nothing in the book and, you know, kind of a spoiler alert here, folks. Nothing in the book is rocket science. This is actually all stuff that we know as human beings. It's easier to get someone who you're in relationship with to do something than it is to get a stranger to do something. And yet Mm -hmm. most businesses are structured around finding strangers and trying to get them to hand over their wallets. Like really when we boil it down, that's what it is. Whereas if I were to ask you, is it easier to ask somebody on the street for $20 or your best friend? The chances are for most people that the best friend is a much faster path to success. And Mm -hmm. so why we don't apply these, I, I often talk about the fact that there are so many things that we have learned in our personal lives that if we would just prof- apply to our professional lives or our business lives, life would be so much easier and so much more. Yes. And those are some of the funniest parts of the book where you talked about a couple getting married. Yes. And then they, they go on their honeymoon and they're uh, <laughs> going to consummate the marriage and another guy comes in and he goes, okay, he's going to take it from here. Yeah. Which, which is the crazy thing is this is how the sales process works in most organizations. You meet someone, you think, oh, I, I this is going to be a great prospect. I mean, relationship. And you go to some dinners, you maybe go to some activities, you meet your friends. All of a sudden, one person's down on one knee, they're all in and they're like, I want to be in relationship with you. And to our surprise and delight, the other person says, me too. And you're like, fantastic. And you throw a kickoff party, I mean a wedding, and you bring all your friends together and you celebrate and everything's feeling good. And then you go into the honeymoon suite and you introduce them to Bob. And Bob's <laughs> going to be the account manager who's going to take care of you from now on. And then and you, Bob's a nice guy. Bob's a nice guy, don't get me wrong, but Bob wasn't on any of the dates. They've never met Bob before. Bob wasn't even at the dance. You know, and now... This is how most businesses work. The salesperson spends all the time courting, and then when the customer finally says, yes, I do, the salesperson is maybe at the kickoff meeting, and after that, they never hear from the salesperson again. And -hmm. instead, the customer account manager is supposed to maintain the relationship. And we wonder why, I mean, it's laughable when we think about that concept in the concept of, or in the context, rather, of a dating relationship, and yet, that's how most businesses operate. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, One quick question. Uh, explain the difference between customer experience and customer service. So, Tim, I think there's a lot of confusion. Yeah, there. I agree. So, um, and and there's uh, there are a lot of people that use those phrases interchangeably, and I understand why. It's it's kind of a messy, confusing world. I I separate them out. To me, customer service is the more reactive behavior. It's helping customers to use your product, helping them with problems. It's basically the customer saying, ooh, this isn't working for me, and customer service rides to the rescue and helps make it better. Customer experience is more proactive. It's all about looking at the myriad of touch points that we have with our customers and saying, how can I make this element of the experience better? How can I make that 
element of the experience better. It's kind of the gestalt or the entire enveloping holistic approach to dealing with your customer as opposed to the more tactical customer service strategy, which is usually let me help you solve this problem. Let me get you off this call. And so I can get on to the next customer service call. Yes. And it, 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 for me, it reminds me of like proactive engineering. You're, you're, you're engineering something in advance and you talk about that a good bit. And I also have to say, just on a personal note, um, reading your book, uh, I didn't read it as fast as I normally did because I was, I was stopping and writing stuff down about things we're going to do. Oh, <laughs> so I love it. Your book is creating action. I mean, that's one thing to read a book, but you know, every once in a while I get to read one of these books and I'm thinking, holy, oh man, I'm, I'm stealing that. Uh, well, I, Douglas, so, I really, you know, that is every author's dream, I think. Uh, and I didn't, you know, I kind of come to this, uh, I, I'm, I'm the new kid on the block. This is my first book. Um, you know, I've been working in this space for, you know, officially for 20 years, but really, if I look at my entire life, you know, the entire, my entire career has been spent, you know, working on experience type issues. And one of the goals I really wanted to do with this book is to write a book that would actually result in change. You know, a lot of mm. books I think have that goal, um, but respectfully, I don't know that they always accomplish that goal. And people, you know, it's going to make me very happy to hear people say, I couldn't read your book as fast as I wanted to. Because that, <laughs> that was actually my goal. So thank you. Okay. You, you, you've helped me achieve the goal because my goal was to write a book that would be so full of examples and so full of ideas and techniques and strategies that you could adopt that any business, whether it was a solo entrepreneur, you know, kind of fighting the good fight or a multinational conglomerate with, you know, tens of thousands of employees – that they'd be able to read the book and go, there's a dozen ideas per chapter that we could implement that I can already see how they would dramatically impact our business. Because if mm -hmm. I can get you to take that low-hanging fruit and do a couple of those things that might change the experience, 20 years has taught me that you'll start to see results which will make you want to do it more. And mm -hmm. then everybody dives in and works more and more on enhancing the customer experience. And when you enhance the experience on your podcast, it forces other podcasters to enhance their experience. And when someone listening to the podcast improves their experience of their coffee shop, it, it forces all the other coffee shops to improve. Oh, and then by the way, because we live in a world where we compare experiences, not just within an industry, but across every aspect of our life, suddenly all boats begin to rise together and we get better experience on the planet. Yes, and uh, at the at the very end of the book, you talk about how when you engineer a good experience for your customers, a better experience doesn't have to be perfect, but get started on it. Your uh, the morale of your employees is really going to take off, and then <laughs> when you've got happy employees, guess what? You start having happy customers. One hundred percent. You know, it's funny the. Often I get hired to come in and help companies create better experiences for their customers. And when I get into the business, what we quickly realize is before we can focus on the customers, we need to make the experience of the employees better. It is impossible to ask your employees to create world-class experiences for your customers if they've never experienced them themselves. I was in a situation recently where uh, a CEO, I was meeting with a company and the CEO had talked to me and he's like, we want Ritz-Carlton level service. And so we got all the employees in a room and I said, you know, the CEO has been talking about Ritz level 
Ritz Carlton level service. Everybody's heard that and they're all nodding their heads. I said, just a quick question. How many of you have ever stepped foot into a Ritz Carlton, let alone spent the night? And the CEO proudly raised his hand and the CFO raised his hand and no one else in the room raised their hand. And I turned to the two who had raised their hand and I said, it is impossible to ask our employees to do things which they have never experienced themselves. And the, the entire training could have ended there. And I, I, the, the great thing is I saw in that moment the recognition of, wow, we're, we're going about this the wrong way. And so later the CEO comes to me and he says, all right, so how do we solve the problem? Like, great, I get it. We need to do this better. I said, let's start sending some of your employees to spend the night at the Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> and he's like, well, Joey, that might cost a lot of money. And I said, yeah, but how much is it going to cost you if they don't know how to do this? And he was like, all right, I've got it. I got it. And so what we did is we started on wedding anniversaries and on anniversaries of when you'd been in the company, uh, you get a weekend at the local Ritz Carlton. And they worked out a deal with the local Ritz and said, hey, we want to run all employees through this. So it doesn't matter whether you are the frontline employee who's been on the job for three months or the senior person who's been with the company for 20 years. In that calendar year, everybody got at least one weekend at the Ritz. And now now we don't have to explain it, right? Now they have a personal context for creating those type of experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of my local transit company. If you work for them, you are required at least once a quarter to come to work via public transportation. Wow. I love it. Yeah. You've, You've got to understand what you're dealing with, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a break here so I can tell you more about how Blinkist can help your career. Listening to the Marketing Book Podcast says more about you than you may realize. In addition to being physically attractive, seriously, I've met many of you and you are a very attractive audience. It also means that you're curious and serious about your business success and you enjoy learning new things. And your interest in learning also means you're either successful or will be because all the research indicates that big learners are big earners. Plus, with all the changes happening in marketing and sales, continuous learning is crucial. But there's only so much time and you need to manage it carefully. And unless you're, say, the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you may not be set up to read a book every week. That's where Blinkist can really be a time saver and a career booster. Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, is a smartphone app that takes the key insights from over 2,000 best-selling nonfiction books and distills them into a format that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes or less. Instead of having to wade through hundreds of pages of a book, spending hours reading each book like I do every week, you can go through two books in 30 minutes. And the books that are on Blinkist are really top-notch, including several books that have been featured on the Marketing Book Podcast, including The New Rules of Marketing and PR by David Merriman Scott, Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday, Epic Content Marketing by Joe Polizzi, Everybody Writes by Ann Hanley, Hug Your Haters by Jay Bear, and many, many more. It took me hours to read those books, but you can get smart audio summaries of each one in just 15 minutes. 
Blinkist has been selected as one of the best apps by Forbes, New York Times, and BuzzFeed, amongst others, and it's used by over 1 million people. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for Marketing Book Podcast listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast right now, today, to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan when you join. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast to start your free trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. I recommend getting the yearly plan, that's what I did, and getting 20% off because you're going to want to keep it anyway. But don't worry because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. Go to Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast, and that means you're going to be letting them know that you support the Marketing Book Podcast and that you want that discount. You'll get the free version or 20% off your annual plan. I also have a link to it at marketingbookpodcast.com. It's a great, inexpensive, and very smart investment in your professional development and career. And now, back to the show. Joey, in the book, which is uh, the, the core of the book, you, you write that customer experiences are, are happen in eight phases. And what's interesting is that they're, they're the same that no matter what the customer is buying, how they're buying it, or how long it takes to deliver a result. And I say that for the people who are thinking, um, yeah, well, that didn't apply to us. <laughs> so <Sure. laughs> can, we, can we take the listener on a quick uh, you know, journey through some of these um, customer experiences? Absolutely. And, and let me say this very briefly. Uh, folks oftentimes will say to me, well, Joey, I'm B2B or I'm B2C. Oh, uh, yes. At, Why is that a myth? Yeah, at the end of the day, it's H to H. It's humans to humans. Uh, this is, you know, I think all too often marketers and salespeople kind of get caught up in, but I'm different and you don't understand our industry is different and our, our business is different. And my response to that always is you're selling to humans, right? Well, yeah. I was like, okay, then this applies because these eight phases are based on human psychology and human emotions. They're not based on a product or a service or where on the planet you operate your business. I've got clients around the globe. I've done research around the globe. These all apply. The eight, yeah, eight, even, even to the companies that sell to the government. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I don't get, and you know, and I've worked in the government, so I get it. I get that there's some <laughs> distinctions and nuances, but the reality is that person, even if it's a procurement officer that you believe doesn't have a pulse, the fact of the matter is they're a human being and they're having the same emotional reactions and they're a consumer in their day-to-day -day life. And those same consumer behaviors and traits that all humans have, they bring into their professional life. There's a lot of overlap here. So the eight mm -hmm. phases are pretty straightforward. And again, everybody goes through them. Now they may go through them. Uh, they may last different lengths of time depending on your product or service, but there's the opportunity to go through all eight. The crazy thing is most businesses are only touching their customer currently in about four of these. So right. even if you just do the tiniest bit of improvement in the ones you're not currently doing, you will be revolutionarily different from your competition. Yes, it's not like this is a, you have to get a hundred for this yeah, to work. Yeah, no, not <laughs> just, at all, not at all. Yeah. You just, you just got to at least acknowledge that these phases exist and acknowledge that maybe right now you're not doing anything in them and what can you do in the future? So, Right, so the first one is assess, and I think this might be of great interest to the marketing and salespeople who are listening. Now, uh, before we get into that, you say that uh, how you make people feel about what it's going to be like to do business with you is even more important than your actual product or service, but then you backed it up with, with more math. According to McKinsey, 
you said 70% of buying decisions are based on how the customer feels they are being treated. So this assess phase, what happens there? And and you write that marketing and sales often just don't even consider this phase. Absolutely. I, I think, and again, full disclosure, I'm a marketing and sales guy by training, by nature. I get it. The problem is most businesses put all of their focus on this assess phase. The assess phase I refer to as day zero. It's when the customer's trying to decide which product or service they want to buy. Now, lots of times business owners think that they're, you know, and marketing and salespeople think that the competition is the other people in your industry. Let me burst that bubble for you. Your competition is stasis. Your competition is the status quo. Your competition is the customer doing nothing because that's been working for them thus far, or at least the pain of doing nothing has not been great enough to motivate them to actually do something. So in the assess phase, the customer is trying to figure out, do they want to work with you or not? And lots of times sales and marketing people focus on, oh, well, here are all the, you know, the features of our products. And then we've gotten better in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Now everybody knows you need to talk about the benefits, not just the features. The the problem is most sales and marketing people aren't talking about the experience of using the product or the experience of being part of our service. What are you going to feel like when you're interacting with us? And all the research shows that when customers have a feeling about what the emotional experience of being a customer is going to be like, it gives them the confidence to make the purchase decision. It helps assuage the fears they have about, well, is this really going to work out? The tipping point often is, well, at least I like the person and I feel like I can trust the salesperson and I feel like they're, you know, they say they're going to take care of me once I become a customer and I actually believe them. So that's what happens in the assess phase. We then move mm-hmm. to the admit phase. The and these all start with an A. They all start with so, A. Yeah. So so there's no ac- this is acronym free. Yeah. This is acronym free. I'm not a huge fan of acronyms. You know, if people ask me, they're like, "Why all A's?" And I'm like, "Well, because maybe the goal is to get straight A's." You know, and you're you're doing something in each of these, and you'd have a good customer experience report card. But it's really just because it was it was kind of easier, I think, to look at it this way. We go to the next stage, and that's admit. Admit is day one. It's when the customer raises their hand and admits that they have a problem. And they believe that you can help them with that. Your product or your service can be the solution. This is when they hand over the money or they sign the contract and they officially transition from being a prospect to a customer. Now, what's interesting is immediately after that happens, they enter the next phase, affirm. In buyers, uh, in common parlance, this is what we refer to as buyer's remorse. Now, what's crazy is everybody listening to this podcast is familiar with the phrase buyer's remorse. We know what it is. We learned about it in school, regardless of what you studied. And yet, and, and it, aren't customers, if I recall, they're guaranteed to have buyer's remorse, guaranteed. regardless of how awesome you think guaranteed. you are. Guaranteed. It is a scientifically proven fact. When, Plan on it. When you make a purchase, your brain floods with dopamine. Dopamine is released because you're excited that you found the solution or the product or the service to address the situation or the problem that you had. And so the brain fills with dopamine. But that dopamine is a chemical that actually recedes and kind of filters away over time. And as it filters away, the brain reads lack of dopamine as the type of feeling that we should have to create the emotions of fear, doubt, remorse, and uncertainty. So the problem is at a biochemical level, your customers are going to feel buyer's remorse. 
Now, why do you call this the tumbleweed zone? I call this the tumbleweed zone because the typical business, despite the fact that we know what buyer's remorse is, despite the fact that we know that customers are going to experience this, despite the fact that we know that as our product increases in expense or term of commitment, the feelings of buyer's remorse increase exponentially to match that, less than 1% of businesses have any formal strategy for addressing the buyer's remorse. I call it the tumbleweed zone because in this space, what the customer usually hears is nothing. They hear nothing from you, right? And so in this moment where they're doubting the decision that they just made, the decision to sign with your business, the decision to buy your product, right after they made it, their brain is saying, that wasn't a good choice. That was a bad decision. And they have nothing to counter those voices in their brain. Ugh. You know, this happened to me. I had to have my driveway repaired. I finally found a, what I thought was a good contractor, wrote him a check for a deposit for the first half of it, and you didn't hear anything <laughs> for six weeks. Yeah. And I finally just canceled the check. Yeah. I called him and I said, hey, you know, I hadn't even heard from him. I mean, like, hey, we got your check. We're really busy. That would have been fine. Sure. Something. He says, Something. He said, but we haven't, canceled, we haven't checked your, cashed your check yet. So I said... All right, well, just <laughs> tear it up. Yes, yeah. do, do both of us a favor and don't. That'd be great. So I, that I'm was in the first on. 100 days right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what we, and, and the thing is, it doesn't have to be a huge action in this affirm stage. But even just sending a note that says, we are so excited that we're going to be working on this project together. We promise we're going to take great care of you. Like a handwritten note. Thank you for your business. That yeah, itself. or something saying, hey, we got your check. Yeah, we got your <laughs> check. Hey, we're excited about the kickoff meeting we have. Hey, the package that you ordered has been dropped off at the post office, and it's scheduled to arrive in three days. You know, here's the tracking number. These are the type of things you can do in the affirm stage to reinforce the decision that the customer made to do business with you and counter these feelings of buyer's remorse and doubt and fear and uncertainty that they have. We then move to the next phase, which is activate. Activate, I call it that, because I want you to feel a bolt of energy, a shock, a, a, a moment of spectacle. This is the first major interaction that you have with the customer. This could be the kickoff meeting if you're in a service business or when you first show up to perform the service. If you have a product that you're selling, this is when they actually receive the product and they, they kind of go through the unboxing exercise, right, where they mm -hmm. open the product up and they're hopefully going to use it for the first time. This is your opportunity to make an incredible impression and to really wow them, to let them know that doing business with you is going to be unlike any other business experience they've ever had. And we want to activate the relationship and really get it off to a great start. What's great about this is we're kind of in the middle of the phases, right? We're in phase four of the eight phases, but we're digging out a little bit of that doubt that they felt in the previous phase. So we really need to step on the gas. We need to double down at the activate stage to kind of continue, for lack of a better way of putting it, to continue selling to continue proving our worth. Now, obviously, we don't want to oversell, but we need to reinforce the decisions they made. Right, and so this is the first major post-sale interaction with the product or the service, and you even told the story about this is Joey. This is a marketing podcast, so I'm required to mention Apple and Steve Jobs. <laughs> of course, of course. So you talked about how uh, they went to the extra trouble. I guess 15 years ago, when they came out with the iPod, they fully charged their iPods so that when the 
the customer would first open it, they could start using it right away instead of experiencing what was then a more common disappointment of opening it up and then having to go charge it. Absolutely. And here's the thing. The young whippersnappers on your show don't know this, but kids back in the day when you bought something that had a battery in it, when you received it, you had to plug it into the wall for eight to 12 hours before you could turn it on. I know that is contrary to your experience of electronics today, but that used to be the norm until Steve Jobs came along and said, this is ridiculous. We are delaying the gratification. They already had to wait from the time they bought it at one of our retail stores or bought it online until they got it home and they got it in their hands. Now we're going to make them wait even longer? No, no, no. We need to figure out how to pre-charge the device. And what's fascinating is they revolutionized the electronic industry because now if you buy something that has a battery in it and it doesn't show up pre-charged, you're going to write a negative review. You're going to be irritated. You're probably not going to buy from that company again because Apple changed the playing field. They changed the expectation that consumers have. So yeah, right, just like the way Amazon changes everyone's expectations of service. And yes, I am required to mention Amazon. Exactly. Earlier, that, so. Yeah, I think we give those two, and then at some point we should mention Facebook and Google. And yeah, Facebook, and then we'll be done, right? But yeah, no, <laughs> Amazon's a perfect example. Again, folks who don't remember the early days of e-commerce, it used to be you had to pay for shipping. It was weird if you wanted something. You had to pay to have them send it to you. It was a little thing you might remember from the infomercials called S&H, shipping and handling. It's what took the product that you ordered for $19.95 to a total cost of $27, right? Which was their actual cost. And they bundled it into this shipping and handling thing until Amazon came along and said, hey, if you buy from us, as long as you don't mind waiting for ground shipment, you can get it for free. Right. It changed the conversation. So the, the next one, um, I want to ask you uh, about sausage. This is when the, the customer learns how the organization does business. And so you write that at each step in the process, you need to explain to your customer what's happening, what's, what's going to happen next. But, but Joey, Coleman, what about that notion that says no one wants to see how the sausage is made? Why, why is it so important to tell the customer what's going to happen. Yeah, what's great is like many of those maxims that we use to excuse our improper behaviors, uh, yeah. that the science and the research actually shows that that's not true. Uh, some incredible research out of Stanford and Harvard shows that customers actually want to see the work being done. They did some wonderful studies online and anybody who's ever gone on like an online travel site to search for flights where they kind of aggregate a bunch of different airlines together, you type in your information and it used to be that they would just pop up the results. Well, they wanted to test this concept of the sausage being made and so they actually slowed the search engine down, which stop and think about that for a minute. They slowed down when you got your results. Most people think in the internet era that that is insanity. But what they actually did is they would show the results building. They would say, oh, well, we finished with American Airlines, and now we've finished with Alitalia, and now we've finished with Delta, and now we finished, and they went through all the different airlines slowly building it up. Now, when I say slowly, this still only took two or three seconds, but they showed you the work in process. What the research found is people were significantly more likely to purchase a plane ticket when they felt that the computer had to work to find them the best deal. Now, 
I understand most of your listeners may be saying, Joey, that's insanity. It's a computer. <laughs> it doesn't have to work any harder. It's an algorithm. It, like the results are produced at the same speed. You slowed the speed down. Yes. But again, we're dealing with humans and humans feel better about a purchase when they feel that you've had to put some sweat equity into the game too. And that's why in this next phase, acclimate, we try to teach the customer what we're doing. We acclimate them to our way of doing business. See, the problem is most businesses, you've done this hundreds of times, thousands of times, tens of thousands of times. But often for that new customer, this is the first time they've ever gone through your process. And so we need to hold their hand and make sure that we're navigating things. And people say to me, but Joey, we have directions and the directions detail how to use our product. Or Joey, we gave them a timeline in the proposal that they signed. Folks, you don't read the directions and you don't read the contracts you sign. Why do you presume your clients and customers are? They're not. Yeah. So we need to go back and remind them. This isn't a criticism of the human condition. This is an acknowledgement of the human condition. Let's just meet people where they're at. Yeah, and 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 you know, more more uh, honesty here. We're we're all self-oriented. Businesses are, people are. But you know, this reminds me uh, since we're talking about Marcus Sheridan, um, even in his sales process, he sends a video to the people, the prospects, before they even go to visit their home about putting in a pool. And it based a simple video, but it's here's what happens when you get a pool, and that they walk them through. These are all the steps that happen. You know, we dig the hole, we get the permits. You know, all these different questions that they were getting. And I've got to believe. Well, I know they were. They're closing at eighty five percent when they do uh, the sales calls. <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't know what the number is. I should ask Marcus next time I talk to him. Um, I know though for a fact that people watch those videos again after they've purchased mm. because they forget they forget what happens next we've all been in this experience where we've hired someone i mean it's like the 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 contractor that you mentioned earlier uh that you had hired you know you gave him the check and now the ball's in his court and he's supposed to do the next thing but without being critical of you douglas you actually didn't know what the next thing was. Is the next thing acknowledgement of the check? Is the next thing scheduling the time to come out and actually do the work? Is the next thing, uh, you know, an email that sends you a video showing you what the process is? The, the person that you would purchase from didn't do a good enough job of holding your hand in the acclimate stage. You were in. Mm -hmm. You had made the purchase. You had sent the check. You were ready. Now you're to the acclimate stage and you're like, all right, show me the juice. Let's get into it. Let's go. And nothing yeah. happened. So let's go to the next one. And this was one of the two that I found the most interesting. Um, and it, it's really got me uh, thinking hard, even about my own business. And that's uh, accomplish, starts with an A. And that's where um, when the, the customer achieves the result they were seeking when they first decided to do business with you. But what surprised me is you said that many customers never actually reach that phase. And of course, the companies aren't paying attention to it. And is it because 
the the companies aren't even trying to figure out what the customer is deep down inside trying to accomplish? I, I, yeah, I think there's two reasons. I think that's number one. I mean, that that's what's happening on the company side, right? We don't even know if they're reaching it because we never asked them what their goal was. You know, we were just happy and celebrating that they purchased our product or service. We never asked, well, how are you going to use this? What is the reason? What's the, you know, the goal that you have that you're trying to accomplish? So if we don't ask, we can't celebrate when they achieve it. Number two, again, we're back to human beings. People are busy. They buy stuff with intentions, but then if they're not properly acclimated and properly gotten into using the new product or service, they forget about it and move on to other things. You know, that one of the easiest examples of this is pretty much in, in almost any home, you can go into one of two places, either the kitchen or the closet, and find items that were purchased and never used. Okay, so you did work for the CIA because you're describing uh, my house. You, <laughs> right, right. You've obviously it's, been there. Yeah, I mean, and here's the crazy thing. Again, this is the human condition, right? And so people listening are either going, oh, man, yeah, I've got some clothes in my closet that still have Busted. the tags on them, and I've <laughs> yeah. never worn. Or they're saying, oh, I do have some utensils in the kitchen that I purchased because I was going to learn how to make spaghetti noodles by hand, and I never did it. Or I've got a power tool out in the garage that I had to have because one day I was going to need that wrench and it's hanging on the wall and there's a little outline around it and it looks pretty, but I've never moved it. Here's the thing. We need to know what the goal is we're trying to accomplish and we're fighting against the stasis of the human condition of, yeah, I'll buy the product or service, but I might not ever use it. Yeah. And it's like uh, any kind of software as a service where I've purchased it and I ended up not using it or, or was became frustrated. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, LinkedIn. I bought a professional subscription years ago, just wasn't getting the value out of it. <clears throat> stopped, stopped using it. And then I just discontinued it afterwards. Whereas, not to pick on LinkedIn, uh, but a, a software company, in that instance, they can actually see, well, are they using our product? If not, big red flag. Absolutely. Software as a service has no excuse for not doing onboarding properly. They have the data. They know whether you've logged in to use it. And what they should do, and some software companies actually do this, is if you haven't logged in in the first five days of buying it, they should be calling you. Not sending an email saying, hey, by the way, we noticed you haven't logged in and use this. No, you should get a personal phone call from someone that says, hey, you made a big commitment. You agreed to spend $20 a month going forward. You gave us your credit card number. You trusted us to do this. What can we do to help you get set up? I'm sure you're busy. I'm sure you bought it and said, oh, I want to do this, but we want to make this successful for you. Can we do some online training? Can we do some phone training? Can you tell me a little bit about your company and I'll set up the first profile or the first piece in it? Mm -hmm. If a software or a gym, a gym could say, "Hey, it's February. All these people that came in here in January aren't here. Better call them up, yeah, and offer them a free, uh, you know, something." Exactly. Get them back. Keep them engaged. The problem is most companies don't start to have these conversations until it's way, way, way too late. They wait for the customer. You know, you signed up for the LinkedIn professional services. If I may ask, Douglas, how long did you have that before you canceled it? I think it was a year subscription, a and I used it. At a bit. A bit in the beginning, but, and then you quit yeah, using it, right? So definitely by the first 100 days, I'm sure I wasn't totally, using it Totally. You weren't using it anymore. And they let what was probably a good eight months of inactivity go by 
before they tried to message you and say, hey, it's time to renew or you're set up for auto renew or whatever it may be. And you were like, no, I'm out. The problem is most people don't actually cancel. And then that goes on and on and on. And then one day they realize I've been paying for this monthly service for years and I never use it. And now they're angry. They're angry at the company for stealing their money. Even though it was their responsibility to cancel, they're angry at the company. Well, guess what? Angry people are much faster to talk about not liking your product than happy people are to talk about loving your product. Mm -hmm. So now you've created two problems. You've lost this customer and this recurring revenue, and you've created a vocal detractor for your business that's out in the marketplace you know, not singing your praises, swearing your praises, you know? I mean, it's just, it's not pretty. We just didn't know what they were trying to accomplish. Exactly. And I, that just seemed like such a, a linchpin to, to, to these eight phases. And actually, the last two, you say, a lot of companies just really don't even get there. What, they don't even get they? there. The last two phases are adopt. This is where the customer adopts the relationship with you. They say, I'm all in 100%. I'm not going to shop anywhere else. I'm not going to do business anywhere else. You have earned my loyalty. And then advocate when they actually start to actively refer you to their friends, family, and colleagues. This is, you know, the raving fan category that most businesses purport to be seeking, and yet very few businesses actually achieve. And one of the main reasons I believe they don't achieve it is because they try to jump you from being a first-time user all the way to an advocate instantly yes. instead yes. of navigating through these phases. And the problem, folks, is – I'm not, I don't care how long you spend in each phase, but you have to spend time in each phase. Your customers have to transition through each phase. Now, the phase may only last a moment, you know? I'm but it's there. But it's there, and we have to acknowledge it. And if they don't, it's, it's kind of like um, with little kids. You know, parents, uh, you know, I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And uh, I'm one of seven kids, so I grew up around a lot of little kids. And I know a lot of parents who... Are, are trying to push their child to walk really early. And I'm like, you really want your child to crawl first. And they're like, no, yeah, I know, but they, they already did that crawling thing this week, so let's go to walking now. And I'm like, no. It'll look, look good on the preschool yeah, application. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you, you don't understand. The, the, again, the science and the research shows that if we actually skip crawling, we actually have pretty significant developmental issues down the road. Because, as is the case with your customer journey, all human beings need to navigate through an evolution of emotions, an evolution of growth, an evolution of feeling. And your customers are no exception. Mm. So, Joey Coleman, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? I think it would be that there is a clock that starts ticking from the moment someone makes a decision to do business with you. And you have, at most, 100 days to convince them that they made the right choice that you really care about their success and to start to deliver on the promises you made in the sales and marketing process. Well said. Think of a big shot clock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, yeah, just think of a clock sitting above you. Every time you see a customer, imagine a stopwatch above their head that is ticking and it's counting mm. off 100 days. And you better know where they are in the process and how close they are to that deadline and you better be delivering before they hit it and making sure they're getting through those phases. Because if not, don't worry. You're not going to have to look at that clock anymore because <laughs> right. the customer's going to go away. Right, right. So what books have inspired your work and 
rather colorful career. <laughs> colorful is the polite way to put it. Thank you, Douglas. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I am a voracious reader. I am addicted to books. I, I have three addictions in life, art, travel, and books. And I try to feed- And root beer. Yeah, and root beer. And I try to feed them as often as I can. For context, there are over 5,000 books in my house. Okay, so I love, love books. So to answer this question- um, Well, you belong on the marketing Yeah, podcast. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I am a loyal listener and customer of uh, marketing books. So a couple of different books that have impacted me uh, pretty significantly. Uh, in the area of business, one of the first ones was Beware the Naked Man Who Offers You His Shirt by Harvey McKay. It's a classic. It's an oldie, but a goodie that's all about it's important to know your uh, your customers. Harvey was a lifelong sales and marketing guy. So any of your listeners who haven't read this book, go seek it out. It's amazing. I have not read it. I did oh, not know so about good. it. So good. It, oh. It's it's tw- tw- probably 25 years old anyway, but everything he talks about is Harvey McKay was the number one envelope salesman in the United States. And yes, folks, there was a time where you used to be able to build a career selling envelopes. Uh, but and boy, you could work at Dunder Mifflin. Yeah, and he just, he he gets it. He's written it. All of his books are great, uh, but the first one I read, which also has an amazing title, Beware the Naked Man Who Offers You His Shirt. Um, next two that come to mind, uh, Kevin Roberts uh, wrote a book called Love Marks. Uh, Ke- oh, yeah. uh, Kevin Mar- Roberts uh, was the... Uh, creative director, CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi Advertising, and it's all about how do you create visual experiences that your customers love. Uh, I'm a big visual learner, so that was great. And then I got to say, my good buddy and friend, uh, John Jantz, his book, Duct Tape Marketing, I think is such a practical guide to business that any business, small, medium, or large, can benefit from. Um, I also got to give John a shout out. John is one of those guys who I read his books before I ever met him. And when I met him, he was so gracious and yes. so kind and so welcoming. Um, I, I actually uh, was in email conversation with him earlier today. I messaged him and I was like, John, would it would it be possible? He runs a great podcast. Would it be possible to be on your podcast to to promote my book? And literally... 30 seconds after hitting send, I had a message back that said, absolutely, here's the link, book the time. John Jantz has gone out of his way to support and encourage me, and I am eternally indebted to him for that. I mean, I admired him from afar. I remember like seeing him one time in an event and like walking by and he was having a conversation with his wife and I was like, I got to tell him I'm a fan. I got to just stop and say hi. And now we're friends. And so amazing book. Wow. Um, Amazing guy. That's a great story. And actually, you know what? I knew he was going to be at a conference I was going to and I'd already read his book on a Kindle. I bought the hard copy, put it in the suitcase, brought it to the conference. (laughs) Yeah, to get him to autograph it. It. And that was when I first that was when I first met him. Yeah. And then uh I just to show uh, one other kind of glimpse into what I think his his character is, is he I had interviewed him about uh duct tape selling. Right. And then there was another book that I absolutely loved called SEO for Growth. And I interviewed him for the podcast, and he didn't want to talk about it on his own podcast. So I said, well, why don't you let me guest host your podcast and I'll interview you about <laughs> I it. I love it. I love it. But it's a it's a great book too. Absolutely. So, uh, Absolutely. He was only comfortable doing it, you know. Yeah, because someone else. Yeah, because it's it's a it's a weird thing. And you know, it's 
you know, we, as, and I'm starting to experience now as an author, you know, you, you pour your heart and your work into a book and like you want people to read it and you want them to know about you, but you feel weird asking people to talk about you or to buy your book or that kind of thing, or at least I do. And so, yeah, John, John's great. A couple other brief ones I want to mention, because all too often people say business books, but I think you can learn a lot from non-business books. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson. I believe that in this day and age, uh, anyone that wants to have a successful career needs to be modeling themselves on Da Vinci. What I mean by that is you have to have interest in many, many things. It doesn't work to be singularly focused and have expertise only in one specific area. Uh, our world is becoming too complex and too overlapped. You need to explore uh, a more renaissance approach to your learning and your growth. And Da Vinci was, I mean, literally they wrote the book about him because he was the model for that. Uh, another great book, uh, Pattern Recognition by William Gibson, science fiction book, uh, but all about uh, identifying patterns and logos and branding, which is probably why I like that one. And finally, a book called The Five-Minute Journal. This is by two friends of mine, uh, UJ Ramdas and Alex Icon. The Five-Minute Journal has probably had more, as a book, has had more impact on my life in the last five years than any other book. And here's why. It's a journal that you write in for three minutes in the morning and two minutes at night. The entire journal is based on the science of gratitude. What are you thankful for? What are you hoping to have happen in your life? What could you be doing better? Uh, I have kept it religiously every day since I was introduced to the book the day they launched it. They launched it at an event I was speaking at. Uh, and I literally on my bookshelf that I'm looking at right now, I am onto my 10th book because I am approaching the five-year mark. Uh, each book's about six months long. And uh, the five-minute journal, definitely a uh, huge impact on me. Definitely going to check that out. And also, we're going to include links to all of this uh, in your episode's show notes, which the listener can find at marketingbookpodcast.com. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or heard about or looking forward to reading? Absolutely. I, as you might imagine, as a voracious reader, I actually pay attention to what's coming down the pipe, too. And as a speaker, I am fortunate to have a lot of friends who are constantly writing books and putting stuff together. Three that come to mind, uh, my very good friend, Neen James, has a book coming out called Attention Pays which I think is just a beautiful title, right? Instead of pay attention, it's attention pays. And it's all about how do we, uh, how do we drive profitability and productivity by being uh, worthy of folks' attention. Uh, next book, David Berkus's book, uh, Friend of a Friend. This one, he just had a TEDx talk out come out on this uh, this week. This is going to be a great book. I got a chance to read an advanced copy, and it's all about how the, the hidden networks, the connections that we have to other people influence our lives and our careers. Uh, you may be familiar with the concept of, oh, if you take five people, you know, you're the average, and you look at their bank accounts, the five people you spend the most time with your your bank accounts are about the same size you take the five people you spend the most time with you're about the same weight that kind of thing and he really dives into that research of how the networks of people we associate with dramatically impact our lives uh, oh, wow. yeah really really cool stuff and he uh, David's a, a professor and an academic but he's also an entertainer so he brings this really robust research to the table but he packages it in a way that's just awesome to watch and great presenter as well um, and last but not least uh, my good friend Jay Bear has uh, you know 
Jay has written some incredible books, uh, you know, Utility, Hug Your Haters, and he's got a new book coming out, which with all due respect to his other books, I'm more excited about this than any other book. I've heard him speak on it. It's called Talk Triggers, mm-hmm. and it's all about how the goal should be to get – to create experiences that get your customers talking as opposed to – getting them to like share your marketing message or share your sales message, create an experience, create something that triggers them to want to talk about you. Great books, all of them coming out later this year. Uh, definitely worth checking out. And in fact, yes. I'll go be bolder. Go do a pre- If it looks good on Amazon, folks, do a pre-order of it because, man, those pre-orders help. They really help with publishers being wanting to continue to give people contracts to write books. They help with getting Amazon to order the books. Uh, they help with getting the word out. So pre-orders are your friend. I know there's... It helps with the publisher's buyer's remorse, right? Totally. To- <laughs> no, 100%. 100%. I am in, you know, as we're recording this episode, uh, I am in the throes of getting everything ready for the launch. And, you know, sorry for the disclosure. We're surprised we're recording this before the day the book comes out because <laughs> Douglas actually plans ahead, which is glorious. Um, but we're in the stage right now where the publisher's like, how many are we going to sell? We, we feel good about this, but how many should we print? And it really helps when you can turn around and say, look at how the sales numbers are growing. Look how people are doing it. So if you love books and if you listen to this podcast, you do, go ahead and order it right when you see it. Don't put it onto the wish list and save it for when it comes out. Go ahead and do the advanced order. The great thing about ordering from someone like Amazon is they'll give you the lowest price. They'll refund back any differential. So you don't have to worry about, oh, well, what if the price goes down before launch? You'll be able to take advantage of that. And it really helps the authors. In many ways, the two ways you can support authors most are by doing pre-orders and writing reviews. Because in this day and age, those things really matter. If you want to help, mm. you know, the author with their career, and I know you spend all day, every day, talking to authors, and for your <laughs> listeners, that I try to give that impression. Yeah, yeah. And for your listeners, that if you if you love the work Douglas is doing, go do reviews of his podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to it, and honor the folks who you've listened to and you've enjoyed their interviews by buying their books and writing reviews. Yeah, you know, Joey, this is. This book, I'm in the agency business, so there are uh, some books, I mean, all, all the books have been uh, great, but they're, they're a, a collection of books that we tend to give to clients and we tend to give to new clients. And this is going to be one of them. So for example, Marcus Sheridan's book, I've used that in the sales process to help lead the prospect along to see if this is for them or not. Love it. Uh, so th- I, this is going to be one that I, I clearly is a... Um, uh, was was uh, missing. Although we've had other, you know, really fantastic books about this, but the way you've presented it um, is, I, I have I have a feeling that's uh, it's going to be a, a one of those gift books. So, uh, well, thank you, Douglas. I appreciate that. And wh- and what I will tell you, this actually ties. And, and first of all, thank you. And I'm tickled pink that you feel that way about the book. It it's it's so it's so, so very appreciated. I can't even begin to express. What I will tell you is what you're doing is fundamentally in alignment with the philosophy of the book. And that is if you really want to grow your business, help your customers grow their business. And that was the goal of the book. The goal was to write a book that people would be excited to share with their customers. Now, I'll I'll give a little caveat, though. If they read it, they're going to expect you to create great experiences for them. 
So it's, there's <laughs> a learning. And, and I know you're up to that task, right? But I've talked to a couple of people and they're like, oh, I want to buy some to give to my cop clients. And I'm like, that's great. Just know that you may be pulling the curtain back a little bit and saying, hey, are we living up to the same standards of the 46 amazing case studies in the book that companies that are doing world-class customer experience? Um, yeah, it's, but, but the good news is in the book is the game plan for how to do it. So you don't have to worry. Yeah, it's very, very specific. Um, so lots of things to work through. Um, so how best can listeners learn more about you and this new book? So the best way to find me is on my website, which is joeycoleman.com. That's J-O-E-Y, Joey, like a five-year-old you know somewhere. Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, like the camping equipment, but regrettably no relation, joeycoleman.com. You go there, you can- And not Joey Coleman, the actor. Not Joey Coleman, the actor, <laughs> right? I have a Canadian doppelganger. Um, not, you know, any other Joeys you know, like Joey Tribbiani from Friends or Joey Buttafuoco or Joey Lawrence. Uh, I I am one of those Joey's who's an adult, but not those. Uh, so that's the best way to to find me. And on that site, you're going to find videos. You're going to find you know articles. You're going to find free bonus gifts. There's going to be links about uh, the book that will allow you if you've purchased the book. The, the book is chock full of bonuses and surprises uh, and little things that you can do. Lots of times, authors will put a landing page in the book. You know, kind of seeing because it's like, oh well, will people transition from the landing page to the website? And I'll do it as a way to grab emails emails. That's not my intention. My intention was uh, the publisher had to twist my arm because the book was already too long. And they were like, Joey, we, we can't have the book be any longer. And I'm like, I have more things I want to give away. And they're like, you got to <laughs> put them on your website. So there are multiple points in the book where we're doing these kind of interesting and fun things to engage the reader and give them an experience of reading the book. Yeah. And so there's a couple other links there, too, that we're going to include on your episode's show notes, which are joeycoleman.com slash quickstart and joeycoleman.com experience the book. So yeah. there's lots of great stuff. Yeah. And the experience the book, if I may real briefly, um, the experience the book is kind of a meta approach to the book experience, because what we're going to do is try to model that you as the reader of the book are a customer of mine, and we're going to navigate your first hundred days with the book by using the tools and the techniques and the strategies we outline in the book so you can get a chance to experience it firsthand. It's going to be a little crazy uh, when you get into it and you sign up and you'll see some of the things I'm asking for. Um, I know I'm asking for a little trust because I'm going to ask for you know your name and your email, but also potentially your phone number, your physical mailing address, et cetera. It's so that I can give you the full-on experience you would give a client. I, I promise you it's going to be fun. And mm. if you're willing to, to to give me a little trust, and I know we haven't met, you've just listened to me, uh, but if you're willing to give me some trust, uh, I think I'm going to create something that is really going to help you to see new and unique ways that you can improve and enhance your customer's experience and by default grow your retention and grow your profits 25 to 100%. Mm. So check it out. Also on Twitter, he is... The Joey. <laughs> yes. Although, as my uh, podcast uh, co-host, Dan Gingus from The Experience This Show will say, um, you're always better to tweet at Dan than me. I am not as much of a social media guy. I'm trying to get better. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to improve. 
Well, let me ask my listeners to try. Let's 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 do what we can for Joey and uh, tweet tweet to him uh, at the Joey Coleman and uh, on Twitter. I'm marketing book. So uh, let's give a shout to uh, Joey to thank him for being on there. And also at your show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, we're going to include a link to your uh, LinkedIn profile. The name of the book is Never Lose a Customer Again: Turn Any Sale into Lifelong Loyalty in 100 Days. The author is Joey Coleman. Joey, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. It's my pleasure, Douglas. Thanks for having me. And that closes the book on episode 167 of the Marketing Book Podcast. For more, check out this episode's show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. And if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other helpful resource, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat, and I'll try to point you in the right direction. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Special thanks to our sponsor, Blinkist, to support the Marketing Book Podcast and start your free Blinkist trial or get 20% off your yearly plan. Visit Blinkist.com slash Marketing Book Podcast. I also have a link to that special offer at MarketingBookPodcast.com. And please join us next time as we welcome Eddie Yoon to the Marketing Book Podcast to talk about his book, Super Consumers, a simple, speedy, and sustainable path to superior growth. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. 